0: listening to the adoption and fertility finance show where we prepare you financially for adoption or fertility navigating the waters financially for adoption and fertility can be intimidating and your host Laura Coleman knows that firsthand after spending $35,000 for IVF and adopting three children she's made it her mission to help other couples realize their dream by living their financial life with intention I'm really excited that I get to talk to you today, Melissa, because when we were introduced through a mutual friend and we sat down, we started talking about life insurance. A lot of people think life insurance is kind of boring <laughs> and they also don't really want to have that conversation because they think, oh, that's not going to happen to me, but we can always be sure of death and taxes <laughs> and change <laughs> and change. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm really excited that we get to talk a little bit today. Um specifically, you know, we have a special needs adoption. And so when you started talking about special needs and how to help protect that child, I was really interested. A lot of people in the adoption community do seek out children who have special needs. And it's understanding how to help that child with their financial future. Maybe they are unable to work in the future or the needs that they have, they have specific medical needs that will devastate you financially. And so mm. when you started talking about that, it was really interesting to me. And so I'd love to have a discussion today about protecting the financial
1: future of your special needs child. Sure. It's important to remember when we're talking about life insurance that it's really just a tool. The, the important thing to do is to really establish what your objective is and what you're trying to accomplish. And then find the right tool, which will accomplish that issue. And so it's, you know, it's, it's really more about the goal and the objective and what we're trying to do and provide funding for that child. And, you know, maybe life insurance is the way to do it. Maybe there's another way to do it. But I think the first step is to really kind of define what you're trying to accomplish. Right. So one of the things you mentioned was having a trust. Yeah. Why is that important? it is so extremely important i mean imagine you know you're raising your special needs child and just technology and changes in healthcare which are just so wonderful is that a lot of special needs children used to have a reduced life expectancy because of their special needs and that's not necessarily the case anymore so often these special needs children are going to outlive mom and dad and that's wonderful breakthrough However, who's going to take care of that child? And what about the funding? When mom and dad pass, if everything in their estate is, goes to that child, that special needs child in their name, that child is not going to be able to qualify for special services like social security and all these special things that are designated for special needs individuals. So if we set up a special needs trust So that the assets can flow there and they're not flowing into the possession of the special needs child. That's really the proper way to set it up. And often special needs children or adults are not able to manage money and there really needs to be some oversight and some supervision and it doesn't need to be going directly into their name. So that's a real important part of this conversation is just to, to plan for that.
0: So... As a parent, you know, it can be kind of intimidating to
1: where do you even start? Yeah. Who do you go to? Who can you trust? That's the hard part. And, you know, it's interesting. I've worked with several lovely people that are going through this process, and I find that the ones that are the most successful are real kind of locked into that community and they're networking within the special needs community. And I think getting started is definitely the first, you know, the hardest part because it seems very overwhelming. You know, we're all good at what we do, right? And right. when we have to step out of our comfort zone, it kind of feels a little bit like you're on a learning curve and you are, but you know, I think if you just take it one step at a time, it's really not as intimidating or as difficult as you might think it is. Um, I would recommend the first step is to finding an attorney who can help you set up that special needs trust. And maybe the best way to go about doing that is to talk to other people in the special needs community and ask them if they've done this type of planning and who they've used. I know that there are several attorneys here in Chattanooga that kind of specialize in that space. And one in particular actually has a special needs child of his own. So, you know, just kind of doing a little homework. Most attorneys will see you For a first visit, just get to know you and how does this work for free. So you want to meet somebody who you click with and who you feel comfortable talking to. And you want to kind of do a little homework and make sure that they're, you know, they have a good reputation and always talk about fees up front. You know, you can shop this.
0: Now, once someone is met with an attorney, they set up a trust
1: Mm -hmm. and I mean, how do they fund
0: something like that?
1: Well, there there are several different ways of doing that, and everybody's situation is different. Often life insurance is an effective way to fund, maybe not necessarily all of it, but part of it, simply because it's something that, I mean, for most cases, this trust is not going to go into play and be needed until mom and dad are no longer here. And the beautiful thing about life insurance is it's really the only asset that pays a specific amount of money at a specific time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's when it's going to pay off whatever the benefit is when the triggering event occurs, and that's the death of the insured. So it's just, a, you know, the money isn't going to be needed until that time. You can fund it over time. And it's it gives the, the mom and dad a lot of peace of mind because it's like once you get this completed, it's like, check that box, you know, okay, we've got this taken care of regardless of what happens. Cause we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what the future holds. We know that, you know, that child's going to be okay.
0: Right. So you mentioned a story of someone that you met and how you helped them. So could you tell that story sure. to our
1: audience? Sure. Well, it was interesting. She was referred to me by a friend of hers, who's a friend of mine. And you know, it's just kind of like, you know, hey, this, connections. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about connections. And so we just had a conversation and she was really overwhelmed. And, but she, I was really impressed by her because, you know, we just kind of sat down and I talked her through it, just like we're talking now. And by the time she left, she had a little checklist. And, you know, first step was she was going to find an attorney and get this trust. And then, you know, once that was taken care of, she was going to come back and we were going to have another conversation. And I also encouraged her to reach out and find a financial advisor because, you know, I think the second leg of this is that we need to make sure that mom and dad can fund their retirement. There might be other children involved that don't have special needs. So, you know, to have a will that's drawn up, that's going to take care of all of the kids, you know, not just focusing on one child and, you know, making sure that mom and dad can afford to retire and have long-term care funding. I mean, they're just, again, I don't mean to make it sound overwhelming, but if you just kind of block it down into, you know, little steps and baby steps, it would be realistic to think that if you took it on incrementally, maybe you could give yourself a year. Right. Like, okay. first, we're going to get this trust put together. We're going to work on our wills. We're going to meet with a financial advisor, make sure our retirement is secure. We're going to talk to someone about life insurance and fund that special needs trust. And I think that she was very excited when she walked out of my office because she had her little checklist and she checked in with me periodically and kind of told me how it was going. And, you know, at some point we'll meet back and, you know, take things on. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: Now, are there some concerns that parents should have? So, once that child reaches adulthood, and let's say they start receiving Social Security benefits as an adult, you know, what are some concerns that the parents be aware of that could impact that child?
1: Well, I think the biggest one is that the child doesn't need to have assets in his or her name, because that you know would render them potentially uh, all of a sudden not. Eligible for those benefits, and it's important, I think, also to educate yourself about what types of benefits are available. That's not my thing, but I do encourage people to, you know, communicate with one another within that special needs community because you know we all have our support groups, right? Like our mom group, our networking mom group. I mean, I would highly encourage, you know, if I had a special needs child, I'd be networking that like crazy.
0: Right now, how do you specifically help? Families? Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) You know, every family is different. I love sitting down with people, you know, hearing their story. I work a lot with business owners or just, you know, families, and everybody kind of has a different thing that keeps them up at night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So let's identify what that is from a financial perspective and make sure that our families, our businesses are protected in the event of death, disability, or the need for long-term care. And I really just help them put together a funding mechanism in place so that when when, or if one of those things occur, things will go as smoothly as possible, at least from a financial perspective.
0: Right. Now, you're a mom. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Two. Two kids. So what is one thing that you do to connect with your children? They're older,
1: and how do you connect with them and build that relationship with them? Well, you know, they were both home for the summer. They're in college, and so it was lovely for them to go away and do their thing and do it well, but it was also really great to have them back. And the summer, we really focused on learning how to cook. Because I like to cook and I've always enjoyed cooking for them, but it's kind of now, now that they're away, they miss my cooking and we're trying to really focus on, you know, health and nutrition. And I feel like it's an important job as a mom or a parent to educate our kids on how to eat right. So um, my son is now back at school and he just decided to become a vegetarian. So I've been trying, we've been trying to, you know, learn about that together and we both are on pinterest we have a board that is set up just the two of us And we've been sending recipes like pens back and forth. And then we'll take a picture of what, I know this sounds silly, but I'll take a picture about what we're having for dinner and I'll send him the pen and then he'll do the same with us. And it's really fun.
0: That's awesome. What a (laughs) great way to connect. Yeah. (laughs) my So my mom has six children. Oh, wow. She always talks about how she does more parenting now that we're in our 30s and 40s. I believe that. And she ever did when we were really little. We need, we always <laughs> need our moms, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, even though we might be struggling to obtain a family or to grow a family... And to experience all of those together, once they reach adulthood, that parenting still continues. And it's it's a journey. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you are supporting him in his desire to be a vegetarian. Yeah. And learning new ideas of how to be healthy. And even as you get older, it's hard to cook. You know, when you're a working mom, like, it's so yeah, hard. It is hard. I, everything inside me is like, ugh, so I'll just give me a bowl of cereal, please.
1: <laughs> I guess for me, it was a little bit of stress relief. I, sometimes I feel like that's the only thing I have any control over in my day. I can come home and whip something together and everybody's tummy's full and they're happy. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, yes, it is hard. And I guess it's nice. Now that my kids are older, they really appreciate it a lot. And they're yeah. kind of verbal about, gee, Mom, we really appreciate the fact that you did that for us. And thank you for making us eat our vegetables. But they don't really say that when they're younger. No, they don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so just to kind of recap what we've talked about. Sure. You know, as we embark on this journey of adoption or even fertility new are able to conceive your own child and you have a special needs child, it's really important to protect their future, not having assets in their own name, because if they do obtain social security benefits, that those assets in their name could decrease or completely stop that benefit and also possibly affect their ability to have the medical as well. And so in order to be able to do that, you need to create a trust And you you gave some examples of how to find an attorney and what to look for. And then once you have that trust set up, you can fund it through life insurance. No one wants to talk about death, but it is definitely a part of life. And we all Mm. will die at some point in time. Some of us sooner than later. You don't have to worry or stress about it because you've planned for it.
1: Exactly. And there are a few things that I also want to mention part of having that trust is you have to designate a trustee. And it's important to have somebody who is that you trust, obviously, who's going to be there to kind of control those funds for your child when you're no longer here and the insurance pays off and the trust is funded. So it's important to find, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's it's a corporate trustee that you hire to come in and do that. There are trust companies that provide that service for individuals, but it's important to make the decision as to who that person is going to be. Of course, you need to let them know that and get their permission. I mean, you know, so I guess that's another part that I didn't touch on. And one thing I also want to mention is that when you're planning for family protection in a circumstance where special needs are not an issue, you know, sometimes term insurance is a really great way to do that because you'd like to think that the need for that particular part of protection is temporary, right? Like those kids are going to be grown and flown by the time they're 21 to 25, and hopefully, you know, at least from a financial perspective, mom and dad are finished funding that. It's time for them to take care of themselves. But when you have a special needs child, you can't assume that. That child might not be able to, as an adult, provide for themselves financially. And so a permanent insurance policy is really the solution there because the need for that protection is permanent.
0: That's a really good point. I mean, you hear a lot about people saying term insurance, term insurance, term insurance. But in this instance, that permanent insurance does... Cover the life of the child, and you know you're not like oh by the way you're 25 years old you no longer have life insurance right (laughs) right
1: so I mean I think that's why I just go back to life insurance as a tool and the first thing we need to do is establish our objective because you know if we're having a family protection conversation and there are two kids and they're 10 and 15 you're thinking you know well maybe in 10 or 15 years you know, they'll be all right. And, you know, we don't necessarily need to worry so much about that. But if your 10-year-old has special needs and might always need some financial assistance from mom and dad, you know, that's different a different conversation. Right.
0: So back to your earlier statement about um, finding someone. So so I, I mentioned I have five siblings. My husband has one sibling. And once we finalized the adoptions on all three of our children, we wanted to have a will and, Name someone, like, if we both passed away before right. they were 18, who would take care of our kids? So I just started going down the list, you know? Like, okay, yeah, yeah. let's rule this person out, or <laughs> let's rule this person out. And, and it's not because I don't love my siblings. There was always just something that I'm like, okay, they live too far away, or they have too many kids, or...
1: <laughs> Trust me, it, you know, it's just, a hard, it's a hard thing to think about. It
0: is, it really is. And so once I finally, like, narrowed it down to my sister-in-law and my brother... I called them and I was like, "Hey, listen, you know, we're doing a will and and I mm-hmm. need to find someone who can be able to take care of our children if we both pass away." I'm like, not that we really want to, but just in case. And my sister-in-law gave like the best response. She was like, "We will Love to, you know, and oh I was like, ah, you, you are why I picked that. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love my brother, but she was the reason why I picked. I understand.
1: <laughs> well, think about how fortunate you are that you have so many people in your life that you can be thinking about that. I, I worry about families that maybe don't, right? You, you know, so it's a lovely situation to right. have a lot of siblings that you can count on,
0: right? I mean. I have a very dear friend and she's a single mom and raising her grandkids. And and I told her, I said, you know, we would be honored if we could be considered for your grandsons. If something happened to you, you know, of course we don't want it to happen, but we just want you to know we're your tribe. You know, yeah, know, we're here for you I'm sure that and that, you know, family is not necessarily blood. It is the people that you surround yourself with. And so, you know, if someone is wondering like, oh, I just don't know who I could choose, go out and make a best friend, That's a great. you point. know, go out and find someone in your community. If you live like super far away or you're estranged from your family, or it's just not like a super close knit family, you know, find someone that you can trust that, you know, would take care of your children. And, you know, I told my brother, I was like, you know, we would make sure that they're taken care of financially. So you don't have to worry about, you know, financially raising them. But, you know, having that money and a trust and having an executor. Yes. So the children would be taken
1: care of, but, you know, they don't have to have that financial burden as well. Yeah. And I think in that situation, whether this child has special needs or not, right. it's just an adult responsible thing to do right. to get a will that has a revocable trust maybe in within the will so that when mom passes away, there's a life insurance policy on mom's life that funds this trust for the child and she's already set it up that this is going to be the person who's going to be the trustee who's going to be making the financial decisions for my child and it may or may not be the person who's the guardian. That's just part of being a parent. You really need to set this stuff up.
0: So when it comes to the beneficiary... Yeah. on your life insurance policy. Oh, that's a good question. Who, who do you name?
1: Well, if you're married and we're not talking about a trust situation, typically you put your husband down or your wife. Um, that's typically the way it works. However, if we're talking about a trust or a special needs trust, I mean, sometimes we'll have the trust purchase the life insurance policy so that the policy is within the trust Sometimes it's better just to set up a revocable trust within a will and then the beneficiary and the life insurance policy is the end state of the insured so that the will directs the proceeds into this trust that's created. And forgive me, I'm an insurance person, not a lawyer. This is why you need to work with a good estate planning attorney. I just know enough to kind of start the conversation right. and then direct my clients to somebody who can pick up the ball and do what needs to be done so that everybody's taken care of.
0: Would you ever name your children as beneficiary? Why or why not?
1: Well, technically, that's a, that's another really good question. They cannot inherit money before they're 18, you know, before they're adults. So a lot of my clients come in and they want to name their kids like as contingent beneficiaries and equal shares. And I'm like, are they 18 yet? And they said no. And I'm like, that's not really a good idea. I mean, I'm a big fan of having a will with a revocable trust to protect minor children. Also, even if they're 21, I mean, the worst thing you could do is to leave a 21 year old with a big pile of money. With no supervision, I mean that is not doing anybody any favors. It's
0: true. That's really true. <laughs> true. <laughs> I've worked with service members for six years, and you know they get a big pot of money and they're buying mm-hmm. themselves a BMW oh, and yeah, and big old fancy you know Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I'm like, what are you doing? Your insurance is three hundred fifty a month. <laughs> you
1: know? Well, you're gonna have a lot of friends for a short period of time, right? And then what happens when it's gone? <laughs>
0: and you're broke,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> and mom and dad aren't here. I mean, you really need to plan to make sure that there's kind of somebody that's maybe kind of got a little handcuffs on that money and saying, you know, hey, what about using this to pay college tuition versus, you know, like... Have a sh-
0: place to stay. Right. You know, if you need a house to live in, have a house for free. Right. And now you can go and choose the life that you want to choose, like work at the place you want to work at versus a place that you have to work at.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all need that. And, you know, we all hope that our life expectancies are long and we're able to get our children to that grown and flown place. But I just feel like it's very necessary for us to take that tough adulting step to do some of this planning sooner rather than later so that we know that we've kind of taken care of everything. Right.
0: Now, if uh, someone wants to learn more information about what you do and who you are, where can they find you?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I have my business is Woodall agency insurance. Uh, So I have a website and then I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I think I have a Woodall agency Facebook page. I mean, I guess I'm kind of all, all over the place. Awesome. Um, Yeah.
0: So thank you so much for coming on today's show and Mm -hmm. talking about protecting the special needs, the future of your special needs child. and, And also all of our children, you gave some really, really great points. And I really appreciate well, thanks your time. No one likes to talk about life insurance. No one likes to talk about insurance. It's not a really fun topic because it's really talking about risk. And do we want to accept risk? Do we want to mitigate risk? What do we want to do with the risk that's in our lives? You know, we have our health. That if you don't have health insurance, you will have the cost of going to the doctor and and if you don't have life insurance, then, you know, who's going to bury you? How are you going to pay for that? What are you going to do if you don't have life insurance? So, you know, when my husband and I got married and he did not have life insurance on him, I recognize that he's unable to get life insurance on him because of medical issues and other factors. And, and so, As I looked at my own particular situation, I accepted the risk of him not having life insurance. And so I've done other things to protect ourselves financially that, you know, if he were to pass away or when, because we're all insured death and taxes, right? And so even though it's a morbid thought, I don't want to think about it. I don't want my husband to pass away. I really like having a teammate and I like having someone that I can work with. And parenting is not a easy job by yourself, and so I really don't want to have to worry about that. But when I attempted to obtain life insurance on him, I recognized that it would be impossible at this point in life. And so I said, okay, fine. If I have to accept that risk, what can I do to mitigate that risk? And so for us, I made sure that we got out of debt and that we have savings. And I also made sure that I would have a career that would be able to pay the bills so that, you know, if he were to pass away, I'd be okay. And so when you're looking at life insurance and deciding, you know, do you need life insurance? Well, I wish we had it. Honestly, I really do. I really wish that we could have it, but because we're not able to get it at this point in time, it's just the way it is, right? So when I've been interviewing people, I have two podcast interviews that have been going on lately about life insurance. And one of the comments was whole life insurance. And as we were talking about special needs adoptions, and I always thought that it was necessary to just get term insurance. And there's a time and place for that. But There was an argument for having the whole life insurance policy. And here's what really struck me. And also, knowing what I know now, I wish that we had life insurance, uh, whole life insurance. So one of the things that was mentioned was that with whole life insurance, if a child has special needs and they then, you know, become an adult, they're 25 years old, and the term life insurance stops... And they're unable to obtain life insurance on their selves because of their medical condition. And and I thought, man, that's right. That's one of the reasons why we're unable to get life insurance on my husband is because of his medical condition. And so I thought, if you have a child that has some medical needs, or you're uncertain of what those medical needs are going to be like in the future, consider that whole life insurance as a way to help that child protect themselves for their future. I've realized the need for life insurance early on, You know, after we finalized the adoptions of our children... We got term life insurance. And after the conversations that I've had, I realized that I need to go back and reevaluate that, especially for one of our children, particularly. And, you know, having that whole life insurance policy in place so that if something happens in the future because of their health, that it's converted and it's there, it's permanent and it's not a temporary term life insurance. And I do believe that we do need at least a little bit, you know, $10,000, dollars $20,000 so that you can at least bury the child and not have it affect the financial aspect of other aspects of your life. It's really not that expensive. For the policy that we have, it's $6.30 a month. So it's not a huge amount of money. And each carrier is so different. And so, you know, definitely look and research the different kinds of carriers that you have. Be sure to check out our website and the blog associated with this podcast. There will be notes and links for you to be able to check out and compare different life insurance policies and give you ideas of what it will cost you. Another aspect that I really, really like about this podcast interview was that you need to be aware of putting your child as a beneficiary. I had not thought about that. And that was definitely something that I wanted to make sure that, that was correct um, in the different policies that, you know, a child that's under the age of 18 should not be inheriting money. That money should go into a trust and you can create the beneficiary that is your trust. And that also protects children that have special needs that they're not going to be affected about whether or not they can receive benefits or not because they've all of a sudden inherited a bunch of money and that, you know, can put things at jeopardy for them. And so that really was something that made me think about our own situation. So if you're in that particular situation as well, you know, I encourage you to make sure that you speak with an estate attorney and Get a trust set up and make sure that the beneficiary on your life insurance is the estate that trust. So until next time, I want you to go and live your financial life with intention. Thank you for listening to the Adoption and Fertility Finance Show with your host, Laura Coleman.